Welcome back to episode six, where in this episode, we're joined by life coach, founder of Kinsey, uh, Annalie Howling, where we cover literally everything from relationships to her business and also how to deal with people that have come through PTSD and anything in that environment. Um, this is a really interesting episode. Please listen. It's amazing. This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Eldstar and Ian McKenzie. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Dog Days, episode six. Wow. Wow. We've made it. And actually, Junior's turned up today, which is always brilliant. I was early, um, five minutes early, <laughs> actually. And just, just you know, guys, before I go into introducing you to our wonderful guest today, um, we are in a temporary studio, which uh, the lovely Maz has organized for us. So if you hear a bit of a bouncy voice, bouncy voice it's because bouncy we're a uh, voice, voice, voice. Echo. We're in a new <laughs> studio. Um, I'm really excited about this one. Not only uh, am I excited because it is our first female guest, um, but we are joined by founder of Kinsey, um, which we'll get onto describing in a second, coach in all sense of the word, in relationship, life, business, and C-suite most in particular. Um, and also, I'm going to get this right, board director or sitting on the board of a charity um, mm-hmm. that looks after people within the field of PTSD or post uh, whatever it is in the war, do we call it? Help me out here. PTSD. PTSD is a uh, post-stress traumatic disorder, but it's uh, we're talking about it's military transitions. Yeah, we help people that have served in any of the armed forces transition to civilian life. And if you're wondering whose voice that is, that is the voice of <laughs> Annalie Howling. Thank you so much, Round Annalie. Of applause. Woo! Hello, 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 First hello. female guest. Welcome, Welcome to, to the dog day. <laughs> <laughs> Junior, could you quickly explain why we were going to be late today and take us through what's happened this morning or this afternoon? Well, I should say. some good I, news for you. I, yeah, well, good news, yeah. I was actually raising an investment this well yesterday. Um, so we had to go through the numbers this morning, and we had a meeting at two o'clock. Hence, what well, I was meant to be here at four, and I was five minutes early. <laughs> and the boys were meant to start at three thirty, and they were late. <laughs> we were okay. grilling him all yesterday. Yeah. We're going to move on from this if you're okay with that, Annalie. Yes. I'm, I'm getting more and more concerned about how late you were. Now, before we go into learning about the three things, I guess I want to give a bit of an outline as well. We have three things to cover in this podcast. So, firstly, I want to hear everything about you, how you got into coaching itself, and, and obviously what you're doing with that now. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we want to hear more about Kinsey. Um, I've done a pretty bad job so far in describing <laughs> what it is, so I'm looking forward to hearing I'll how you describe it. it. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I think Pooch or Junior is in particular excited about this phase. We're going to speak about a bit of homework. The first, by the way, um, the dog days will set some homework by our yeah, first yeah. female guest. Yes. I really like that. <laughs> and we'll come on to what that is in, in a bit, but we're really excited to speak to you about relationships and just your theories on them because mm-hmm. we're three single fucking single, losers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and we're, we're desperate oh, for love. That is um, a term in our group, <laughs> SFL. We are. If sadly, we, we do refer to ourselves as the single fucking losers. And February's okay. coming up. Okay, yeah. 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 Oh Pre-Valentine's podcast yeah. going out. Exactly. So, Annalie, without further ado, uh, ado, please take me through your life, where you've come from and how you've got into coaching yourself. Sure. So, I worked for many years in uh, the construction construction industry. I was doing business development in construction, so very male dominated. I'm 37 now, and this was sort of from being like 18 even. I didn't do university straight away. So I went straight into that industry kind of by accident, but was quite successful and and progressed relatively well. So, you know, all's good. Um, Halfway through that, decided I wanted to have some additional qualifications and did an MBA. I did that sort of through evening school and distance learning and thought I was Gordon Gecko. I was like, oh my God, I know it all. (laughs) I'm going to go to London, you know, that London where the streets are paved with gold and I'm going to do all this amazing <laughs> stuff. What was the MBA in? It was economics, change and marketing. Oh, so I really did think I nice. was, you know, missing at that point and uh, went up to work in the London fit-out market, which is fantastic, but it's very fast-moving, very, it's quite aggressive. And this is like a long, long time before sort of hashtag me too and things like that. And I think, you know, I, I enjoyed it for a lot of the time, but I got to a point where uh, my now husband and I would be standing in the kitchen having this fantastic debate. I think a lot of couples have. We'll touch on relationships later. Yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) save this up, guys. (laughs) Um, Which is, I'm more tired than you. And no one fucking wins that game, right? It's just depressing and this awful cycle. So... I was thinking about it and I was like, right, you know, I earn good money, I'm successful, but I'm very unfulfilled. What am I going to do? What step am I going to take? Very dear friend of mine uh, had just started coaching. She went, oh, let me give you a coaching session. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's a bit woo-woo. It's a bit whatever. And she did. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And I thought, wow, okay, this is maybe something that I could do. It lit some switches for me. Um, But I didn't want to do sort of the coaching that she did. She very much focused on 
women and that was fantastic and empowering them and I've come from a male dominated environment and I liked it and I thrived there and I wanted to add value to that sort of area so I took myself off to the States so went to San Francisco I was there for three months doing this sort of training course because if I was going to do it I'm a winner right so I'm going to do it I'm going to go and do it in the headquarters of the best fucking school in the best place in the world and I'm going to give myself also the opportunity to kind of disconnect from my life here and really throw myself into it so that's what I did and then I certified in that and actually Josh you had on he did the same that's a uh, co-active coaching style yeah. so similar background there and then I went on to which we'll touch on later I decided I wanted to take this on a level I'm like Muttley if you remember that I collect medals I like yes. to have accolades and titles and letters after my name and uh, I decided to do this very sort of specialist coaching course which is relationship systems coaching where you look at romantic relationships family relationships but for me I predominantly use it for business relationships so teams and things like that um, and quite quickly that progressed to me doing a lot of the very uh, senior level exec coaching so I generally coach C-suite which is your CEO, COOs very senior level that's what I like doing I feel I've got a good empathy and I've got good experience to add to that run my own business I'm non-exec on a couple of boards as well as being on the board of charity and uh, yeah we're looking at teams in particular where there's been conflict I really like dealing in conflict with teams which not everyone does I think yeah and I think honestly it probably comes from being quite young and having to walk onto like a building site and you know and having to deal with a lot of guys and having to kind of find my way early doors and I think it whether it was true courage and I've listened to you know you guys talking or whether it was a bit put on but I got through it I created a character to help me do that and then having gone through coaching you become authentic (laughs) I hate that word but it's true I hate it I hate it it makes me want to be sick but it's true Um, you know you become your authentic self and that's truly courageous act to be vulnerable and just be who you are and show up and so I use that work now in the team coaching a lot of post M&A activity where maybe there's two boards trying to mesh together and there's obviously a bit of conflict in the system there Um, and looking at the change maybe impacting on an organization that's my sweet spot amazing Mm. so is it with C, like CO, for example, would it be one-on-one basis? Would you do that usually. kind of coaching as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, so usually with C-suite, typically, I mean, with anything, anyone, you know, I can go in there and my, uh, you know, sort of remit is right. We want you to coach the CEO or the COO around their KPIs or their mm-hmm. goals or whatever. And it's all performance. You know, it's like Forward the three hundred, like, yeah, yeah you yeah, know, they're going to get you to be, you know, type A and what have you. And actually it's always related to personal stuff. Yeah, It's always related to the inner critic. And they it's take it to work with them. A hundred percent, you know, and they need someone that's confidential. I know you, you know, you guys talked about doing some coaching work and things and to have someone that's impartial, but there is going to be a cheerleader for you that wants you to succeed and do well, but that you can share stuff with that you can't talk to your spouse about. Yeah. And the more senior you are in an organization, the less you're able to tell people stuff. Because quite often, especially if you are going to be doing an, an IPO or an M&A, you can't tell them what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this massive deal and there's a big emotional load on you for that. It's a hierarchy thing as well, isn't it? That people look up to you. So yeah. you sort of almost feel like you have to be strong for everyone. Yeah. You have, and you're not allowed to be weak or you're not allowed yeah. to be to And be you have vulnerable. a disproportionate influence when you're a leader so your rank that you hold because you're senior in the system you know even your body language if you come out of a meeting that is going to affect the psychological safety of your Mm. team so someone comes out of a meeting your boss and they're like you know agitated or look really angry everyone else in that office is going to be like oh my god what's going on what does this mean (laughs) you know and it's uh, the conspiracy theory stuff I I was at Unilever before and Paul Polman who's like a quietly highly regarded CEO I just feel they just I found like looking at him yeah he, he you what you must watch every single step he mm. does because the whole company is staring at you because you're the one like it all you're, you're accountable for this whole company so it's like they often look quite emotionless to me or yeah. emotionless because they can't show any mm. sort of emotion and there is a cost to you there's a cost to that because mm. we're emotional beings yeah, you know there's a, i mean josh talks about it and we've heard about it in other you know you emotions are fine emotions are normal but there's a positive emotional state and a negative mm-hmm. emotional state and i think that a lot of the time by trying to suppress or control how we come across you're in that survival that fight or flight which is the high negative emotional mm-hmm. state and that's not a good place to make decisions from that's no, not a, it's not. not a clever place to make decisions from you're not making your best choices when you're triggered And I think a lot of the time that can come from not looking after ourselves as well as we should, doing all the self-care pieces that we talk about. Um, Yeah, and there's a cost to that. So having someone that they can offload to safely is a real asset. I think I read somewhere, um, no, do you know what? It was was from wonderful Danielle, which is a mutual friend of ours. And 
and life coach. So she made me watch Brené Brown. Is that her name? Brené yes. Brown. Yes. The vulnerability. Power thing. of vulnerability. Wow. It's amazing. So the, the most amazing thing for everyone, for anyone who hasn't watched it, it she did made this discovery where despite all of her research, she discovered that the biggest trait that was held between leaders, and tell me if I'm getting this wrong or right, was vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And apparently it sent her crazy because she was this data analyst that was like, this makes no sense. How can such a weak <laughs> yeah. emotion mean uh, power and strength and be you know, underpinning all of our leaders? And, and yeah, she discovers that actually it was by, by those who were having almost an acceptance of ambiguity or an acceptance of not knowing and then mm. and being okay with that was one of their strengths. How paradoxical. We can put it into, I mean, that's biological, right, as well. So if somebody is, and, you know, we'll link this up to dating as well. So we can have tip one. <laughs> Here we go, boys. Yeah. So let's go with tip one now. So when you're, uh, you know, meeting somebody and you're putting on your best self, right, because you want them to like you and maybe we change ourselves a little bit and, you know, we're presenting our, our best self. Um, if you're not truly showing up, as in being vulnerable, as in being authentic, that's that, that bit of you that's like, I really liked her, right? She was amazing, but there's just something that didn't sit right with me. And you maybe can't even name what that emotion is, but your gut instinct, if you like, is saying to you, something's not right. Now, biologically, what's happening is your limbic system, which is your sort of survival part of your yeah. brain, is going, er, er, er. look, this person is lying, if you like, or they're not, I can't get a read of them. This isn't exactly who they are. Avoid, avoid, avoid. So it's your, it's your survival system saying, this could be a threat to us. Mm -hmm. Let's check Stay out away. right so I've had that so many times but you try and force you think you, it's just because I, I sometimes overthink things too much so I sometimes like put it down to that and then you just keep persisting and persisting and it doesn't doesn't quite go away as yeah. much as you want it to yeah so if you're not being your true self and so linking that to Brene Brown and the power of vulnerability the leaders that are vulnerable aka authentic and honest yeah. have the better relationships you know can nurture staff inspire them create bigger yeah, impact so true because then you just have that, that emotion, con emotional connection with them as well mm. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Sorry, That's right, okay. So we're, we're getting into <laughs> yeah. relationships. Right? Yeah, yeah, we, we all want to go. I knew that was going to happen. It was free. You had a freebie there. I met a girlfriend. Let's go into that. So I want to hear, um, let's start with the, the charities. How does this then lead into, you know, being on the, do I say board? Is I am board on, I'm an ambassador on the board of ambassador. a charity called Hire a Hero UK. And as I mentioned, we are giving um, career coaching and mentoring advice to anyone that's transitioning out of the armed forces. So Army, Navy, Air Force, a really vulnerable time. And Junior, you've talked about your transition from sport. And that's something that is very similar in that you're, you've lost your purpose. You've lost your yeah. team. You know, in the Army, you it's very similar. You live thing. together you live on campus yeah. your families are there your friends are there um and then if you add on to that so you've come out into civvy street where you've had no experience of and again most of the ladies and gents that we deal with that's all they ever wanted to be was in the army yeah. you know and at 16 you've gone in and we've maybe got people at sort of mid late 20s that have been on tour two or three times they've seen things you can't mm. begin to imagine um they're not very good at talking about ptsd because they don't think it's it's almost like, well, I didn't do anything special. They don't think that they wow. did anything special because it's very much the team. And I was part of a unit which is extraordinarily humble, but it's quite hard to get really humble people to sell up their skills. So while you're doing recruitment sales, you're like, come on, you know, <laughs> let's talk about these brilliant things that you did. But of course, that's just not the way it's done. You mm -hmm. just, you don't talk about things. You put your head down and you get it done. And uh, so the work of the charity, I think, is extremely important. Um, you know, these people are so much braver than I'm ever going to be, mm. in my view. I wasn't prepared to put my life on the line or change my family setup or anything like that. So it's the very least that I can do no, to give no. some of my time. It's the absolute minimum that I can do for any group of people that are in this this really tricky time but unfortunately we never get people straight out or when they're actually leaving um, we get people that are sort of maybe four five six years out they've had a shitty job after a shitty job you know like a delivery driver or something and then which is not a bad job but when you find out they manage a team of 90 people oh, and they and yeah and they actually mm. set up this huge procurement supply chain in hostile environments or you know when you find out their skill set and then you look at their values again they shouldn't be on their own driving a delivery truck. They mm. should be working in a team and they mm. should be, you know, you look at the values that are underpinning them and perhaps why they served and what they did. And we try and help them, 
you know mesh that together and find a more suitable career Amazing, not just yeah. a job and then when you're feeling more fulfilled obviously the other stuff isn't as active yes the what depression. are some of the core skills and competencies that you try to get them to sell or that you find in these people they're the most amazing project managers i mean talk about a work ethic oh, cool. holy crap you mm. get someone from the military in that you know you you have like the whole millennial discussion now about how everyone's <laughs> entitled yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well you know everyone's, yeah, press up yeah exactly. come on i've just already <laughs> yeah. done that by 6 a.m you know but you'd say yeah. like their their work ethic is extraordinary they're so loyal they're you know say so they're very humble so there's not an ego thing there at all mm. they'll happily they're really keen to learn and upskill but project management in particular it's process driven and led and detail orientated yeah. incredible and then also as a you know if you're looking for someone to be a team leader or event managing things like that and then obviously there are things like the private security but there's only so many positions and cool. mm-hmm. you know people to come out of that wow that's amazing so then how, how did that then lead into what you're doing now with kinsey so yeah. kinsey came about um kinsey's a new business we're actually in this is like a little little sexy preview we're in pre-startup we're launching at the end of march and kinsey is sort of meshing together i suppose the giving element of the charity but really the work that i've or the issue shall we say that i've been confronted with for years now from coaching c-suite and that is the sensation that something has to give and it's always the individual so i work with people and you know we're sitting there we're talking and they earn big money right they're successful so they don't feel they've got a lot to complain about because they earn that money they have to stay late most days of the week because they've got meetings 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 all day and then I've got to do my work so I better stay late to do my work and then I've got a client dinner or I've got this or I've got that so I'm too tired to train or I'm not choosing the right food and then come the weekend how can I possibly say I'm going to go and play golf or do a run or invest in my health because I've neglected my family and my spouse all week mm-hmm. so I've got to put time into them it's like here's your kids I know you've been away all week but there you are off you go be, be super dad or mum and so by the end of it that culmination that snowball effect their health their fulfillment they honestly most of the time they have no idea of who they are you know i'm the ceo of blah 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 well that's fantastic but what do you love doing Mm -hmm. i don't know they're so disconnected from what it is they love or their energy their passion their purpose if you like because it's sort of got linked into providing for my family or safeguarding these 2,000 employees I'm responsible for. And again, there's a massive burden, mm. but because they earn megabucks, they maybe feel they can't ask for help, play yeah. the sympathy card, or, or just don't like to. It's almost like they're robots, isn't it? Completely. I mean, yeah, I see it. Like I said. I, that's what I mean. When I've saw, seen CEOs in my eyes, I just yeah. feel like they're just a program robot. Like, mm. I, lived in, I lived in Singapore, didn't I? And like, Singapore's very business yeah, yeah, driven. Yeah. Like everyone is just in the offices. Like all the office blocks just are lit out 24 hours because they're just wow. literally working mm. 24-7. Mm. That's the presenteeism thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In the street, they're just literally like robots. Like, hello, how are you? Yeah. And like, that's literally them, but they're making fuck loads of money. Yeah. But, they're yeah. literally robots with no emotions. That's how I, I see them, basically. Uh, this, is, this isn't just leaders, though, is it? This, no. This is well, it's got a bit more serious. I mean, again, we talked about leaders having an unfair influence, you know, mm. their body language over everyone else. If your boss is there until 9, 10 p.m. at night, how can you leave early? Because yeah, it looks can't. like you're not working hard enough, right? So this has become endemic in... in the industry and I'm sure we've all got friends loads of friends work in private equity at 9pm the black cab gets laid on to take you home I mean you fucking made it right I take a black cab mm-hmm. home and my whole raison d'etre is no you're not productive if you're yeah. there that late this this isn't right and this isn't you know if you're not healthy if you're not looking after your body if you're not eating yeah. good food if you're not spending time on things that are fulfilling your you know spiritual purposeful energy however you want to band it you're not your best self and then the people and things you care about the most they're the ones that suffer yeah it's never you know you'll be back at the office and there's this whole uh, culture and just you know dynamic now where you turn up and you turn off like you're always on but you're never really on like you're yeah. present but you're never fully present mm. so kinsey has come around kinsey's a piece of tech and uh, it's used by elite sports so justin rose uses this particular measure at the moment it's a heart rate monitor it's the polar the polar is yeah, the only one that's yeah, accurate. Yeah, yeah. The others, yeah, all of the, all the uh, yeah, well, the wanker watches, as we call them, uh, forty. <laughs> the wanker watch. I've seen. I have <laughs> oh, seen. Yeah. We've got our wanker. Yeah, wanker over here. I'll tell you a little <laughs> funny story about that. So I was flying back from San Francisco actually last year, and I was sat on so. I'll be wanking, I'll be a business. And uh, so there was, yeah, wanker. Wanker. And you know, the screens in between on VA business. So I, I was in the window seat. Uh, <laughs> I fly easy jet. Jet. It's quite awkward. It's actually quite awkward. It is quite awkward. Of course, you know. You sit, no, but you sit this opposite is our first each other. world problem. <laughs> How are the other <laughs> <hard> <laughs> <problems>? <laughs> 
<laughs> you sit opposite each other and then you it's sort of, one of you has to press the button to say like fuck off basically yeah. <laughs> and like you're waiting it's there, like it's like the chicken button yeah. who's gonna do it and first then you do it and it goes up and you're like chill out mate <laughs> 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 so on on B, as some of it on BA business so there's this shutter the wanker screen goes up and um I was on the window seat and it was sort of the light you know had the me on the lights were going down and there was a guy sat beside the screen and basically I started seeing this movement through the screen I was like oh my god what the fuck is he doing because it looked like he was having a wank and I was just suddenly like oh panicking you know this is what the hell's happening this is awful anyway what he was doing was he was shaking his Fitbit he was shaking it Uh, sat on the seat shaking it and I actually sort of made a bit of a comment about it because I stood up I probably said like tell him off or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and I stood up probably to like cause a fuss and uh, yeah so what he was doing and he I kind of gave him a bit of a funny look and he laughed and he went oh my wife and I share one and you know she'll know that I haven't done all my steps and you, know, you think oh, oh come okay. on <laughs> come on so that's why one of the reasons oh, I so call that's it why the, you have the belt around the stomach well the polar is genuinely the only one that would look even more fucking weird if he was just <laughs> yeah. sort of jigging his body up and down <laughs> yeah that would have been strange that would have been strange I think they're good I want to say I think they're good motivators the watches I wear one I have an I, I Apple watch I think it's a good motivator but they are quite inaccurate so we use a um, polar monitor goes around your chest you have it on for 90 seconds you do some breathing you will have it in the morning that's because you have the highest parasympathetic load that means you've just come out of a rested state so you've not yet entered a, any kind of stress state at that point you've just woken up you put it on you have it on for 90 seconds you watch a little breathe screens all very chilled and then you get seven different readings that come out which tell us things like your risk of a heart attack it tells us your risk of burnout, presenteeism, absenteeism, long-term sick. We can pinpoint if somebody is going to have depression. Mm. We can pinpoint all of these readings from that. Is, that a, is it a bit of the same like a mitochondrial? Is that sort of, sort of the same reading? Similar. So it'll give Similar you an allost- it gives yeah. you an allostatic load because you're, you're sports. Yeah. So it'll give you your allostatic load, which is your autonomic balance. Okay. So it gives you, in layman's, it gives you a number, right? right? It spits out a number. And this number can go between one and ten. You're, if you've got a one, you're probably dead. If you're ten, no one's had a ten. Wake up one. So uh, <laughs> you, we're looking for a, like a nice healthy five in the middle. It means you're functioning well, all is good. But it gives you an objective score and a subjective score. So it tells you what you think you are and then it tells you what you actually are. So uh, for the type A's that are used to winning, going, well, I slept really well, you answer some questions. How do you sleep? Yeah, it was amazing. How do you rate you know, your, your happiness today? Yeah, I feel brilliant. Yeah. And it'll tell you where you actually are. Then what this does, it spits out a score, as I mentioned. We know if we have anything that's three and a half or below, that means somebody is permanently in fight or flight. They are triggered all the time. So to an organization, we can tell you that if you're in that area, and at least 30% of your workforce are when we start, you have uh, no productivity, if you like, in that area. And also you're at a really high risk of someone making a terrible decision. A, around their health, and they're deeply at risk of heart attack, you know, burnout, depression, and you want to safeguard their wellness. But if you think about having people in your business that are triggered and they're emotional and they're reactive and they're survival, a bit like, you know, if you've got road rage, you've got anxiety, Mm. that's not a smart place to make business decisions from. And are you saying there are... Quite well. So I think when we spoke on the phone, you said that there are quite a few people that live within our organisations that you wouldn't know have no, this right now. Because we've got what, coping mechanisms. Yeah. So what is the? What's the? Can you define without having the band? Can you define what someone's like? Uh, uh, okay. So a theme? common one. So we. So when we do this uh, this program, if you like, every week we push information to people about a certain theme, a foundational element like sleep. Mm-hmm. So sleep is the one that is the biggest trigger and it's the one that is um i think the most talked people think they can beat sleep right yes. so i don't know what junior mm. will say about it because being a uh, you know in football and in sports we talk a lot with the sas we do a lot of work with the sas as well as sports and this is one that goes i don't need it i don't need a lot of sleep i'm fine oh, the Gary Vaynerchuk syndrome. yeah yeah right, so okay. they'll say to you but i but this is what i've always done i have five hours a night i'm absolutely fine it's no problem yeah. and the data will tell you quite a different story. So I, I would say, and that's the one that people are most triggered by. They don't want to change it. You know, Eric Thomas is like sleeper for people that are broke. Yeah, he does say he's got. He's I broke. went for a phase of, and I still like, yeah, doing all nighters and then getting up early, and it's like I just don't. I feel like I'm not well, Michael energized to do anything smart. Who's Michael Jordan's coach? What's his name? Michael Jordan's coach. He's coaching for like twenty years. 
Um, he wrote a book yeah. on, relent- on being relentless, but he basically said just because you, you work 24 hours a day doesn't mean you're working smart. No, exactly. And this all. is the point. You know, there's when you're not had it, I mean, sleep is one example of some of the things that people are, you know, it's, I call it band aid fixes. So I need to get more work done. Mm. So I'll go into the office an hour earlier. But are mm. you an hour more productive because you've cut back on sleep and then because you're knackered, yeah. you're eating crappy, sugary food and then mm. you've missed your gym workouts and too tired to go and I didn't make a decent meal so I've got home and eaten a whole packet of digestives and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Is that making me more productive? Are you mm. getting my best self? Of course you're not. Oh, so many people are not do that shit yeah. all the time. And you you could imagine that as a common... fucking Would you? Okay, so I guess loads of people live their life. I mean, yeah. I'm imagining like a big, fat banker chuckle into his little pool yeah, and yeah. with one hand like I'm so rich and <laughs> yeah. miserable like, that's what I'm imagining but these guys have no idea about how actually unhealthy they well, are well okay I'll give you this is horrible so there's a private equity company in London so everyone earns a fortune your big fat bankers as you, mm. you know you're saying and they all earn a lot of money right private equity a firm of 58 people three killed themselves last year mm. out of 58 and five are on long term sick oh my god that is not I'm going to say that's not that unusual. But because they're successful and they earn lots of money, and you you guys talked about this in the other podcasts, maybe they don't feel they've got the right outlet, or all of these, I call it a Band-Aid fix. I'm going to cut back on sleep, and then maybe I'm going to just grab the wrong kind of food, and I'm not going to work on my mental health, and I'm not talking to anybody, and I'm just going to push and push and push and push. Something is going to give Mm. at some point, and it's going to be you. Is that society driven though, do you think? I think there's an element of, you know, we talked about the leader. If your leader is doing that, if you're if you don't hold the same rank, perhaps you don't feel as empowered to say, Well, actually I'm going home at six to see my kids. Yeah. If there's a culture of that, yeah, perhaps it's difficult for you to change it. Mm. What Kinsey's trying to do is to challenge this norm and say, But you're not successful. You know, you want your if you're all private equity about making you know, making money, being successful, we can show you that you'll be a lot more successful and productive working in sprints of 60 to 90 minutes and taking a break. We yeah. can show you that by sleeping between seven and eight hours a night, your cognitive capacity is not that of a drunk person, which mm-hmm. is if you sleep for five hours or less a night. Mm-hmm. It's the same yeah. as you smoking weed. You might as well turn up to work and smoke weed if you have five hours or less of sleep a night. Yeah. You're, right. you're cognitively impaired. You're functionally drunk. Are there any CEOs or companies that come to mind that you think are model examples? But there's a lot of talk, isn't there, now about sort of the four-day work week, There's a which is great because you can, you know, I think the world's a different place now. We've got email all the time. There's, there's eBay did this cool thing where they um, changed their meetings to 45 minutes rather than mm. an hour. And they tried to eradicate all unnecessary meetings. And then those that were necessary, you start at quarter past the hour. So you've got 15 minutes in between to, you know, read the pre-read, uh, get yourself mentally prepared, fire off any emails that you might need to mm. do before. So yeah. you're present in that meeting. Mm. It's less time and you actually get what you need to, to have done and the purpose of it. So people are embracing. Pinterest is great. They only do meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday so for true flexible working or travel you would travel Monday Thursday Friday and you know generally speaking you need to be in the office Tuesday or Wednesday those are the only two days yeah exactly exactly so genuine need to offer flexible working you don't need to be there the other days of the week I think that's fantastic I mean the question is and I imagine you're met with this quite a few times every brilliant business is based on a fantastic culture Mm -hmm. and the one thing that I guess is lost within the flexible hours is that Janie needs to leave at two and Alex can't get it till three. They're going to miss each other. There could be a really good synergy there that's not happening. Mm. How does a company avoid ruining or, or having less of a culture by having people that aren't there as often or regularly? I think, I mean, I think that's really difficult and I think it depends on the organization. But I guess looking forward, sort of millennial and Gen Z to retain those staff, which is a big challenge now for people, you have to offer genuine flexible working or change the environment that people are working in and how they might connect. Mm. So, you know, Pinterest is a good example. Have a couple of days that it's kind of compulsory to be there to ensure that people are there connecting, learning, sharing ideas, basically getting shit done that you need to together and then empower and entrust that we're all grown ups and we're going to get our jobs done and you know let you go and do it the other days of the week my dad my dad lives in sweden he lives in um stock so he's swedish he's been there for like he's moved back i think six years now he works for ericsson but his wife works in the school and she's only allowed to work five hours a day yeah they're only allowed to work five hours a day and when you go to sweden you can actually when you walk through a town everyone's smiling yeah. everyone's saying yeah. hey how are they're you mi- i'll tell you what they're in fucking 2019 in well you they're, look at pilots so and airline crew now mm. so you know you have to have if you're doing a, 
a 12-hour flight to Singapore, yeah. you would have had two sets of airline crew because they have to be certain that they're able to concentrate and they have to get sleep. I mean, that's to fly a plane for 12 hours. You've mm. got people working in banks, legal, doing 14, 15-hour days, six, you know, five, six days a week, and then again, and then again, and then again. Yeah, and course. we think that that's smart or somehow we're successful and it's like it's just when you look at it like that it's it's quite dumb yeah, you're is. not going to be productive so this is really the purpose of Kinsey is to use data and evidence to challenge that and perhaps as you rightly say a leader maybe has done that forever or thinks they have and go well it's worked for me so you know I want to carry on that way and um, really this is to support and say look it's about productivity and performance and we can improve that by looking at foundational elements of health and the other thing that it does is by spitting out this score so to give you an idea, the Brownlee brothers, they got eight and a half. That's the highest score wow. you're ever going to have. Wow. That's Rio 2010, you know, triathletes, yeah. Olympic, insane. Um, like, so when I say to you, one about a five, it's a really good number. It's, good, it's yeah, not an average, it's yeah. a very good number. And then you've got people, as I say, scoring lower at, at three and a half. And that means they're more at risk to other things happening to them. But what it does is it gives a new language to mental health as well. So if you were my boss, Junior, and I came in and I was, and you were like, you're all right. And I said, oh, I just not feeling great today. I, you know, I'm feeling a bit low or you don't really know how to help me. Yeah. I'm not really able to communicate how I feel and you're not really sure it's all a bit. Yeah, and well. also in businesses, I don't want to get it wrong. Mental health is, it's brilliant that it's on the table now, but I think Britain in particular, we're terrified of getting it wrong. Yeah, there's a fine line, isn't there? Right, so if I came in and I said to you, and you were like, you were right, and I said, I was a three today. We both know what that means. Well, yeah. So if I said to you I was a three, you go, right, so we're changing language of mental health as well. So if I said to you I'm a three, you know and I know I'm in fight or flight, I'm really triggered. You might go, look, you were pushing hard last week or I know you've got some stuff at home. We can then come up with a way for you to support me. And I can, I, and also because of the evidence and the, the information that we're supporting people with, whether it's about sleep or nutrition or exercise, I can go off and choose how best to support myself, take mm. some responsibility, and then come back the next week at a five, ready to go, and I'm going to smash it out the park because I'm productive. Oh, I love that. So I actually love this that. This is such a cool idea. You can Thank you. So many, oh yeah, sorry. Wow. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're making it up. It's actually your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the really cool thing about that is you can then choose the self-care packaging. Right. So you're speaking about... Um, the chat that we're having, I, I can't even say the name in case he doesn't come on the show, but there's a person that you know very well he that will does come on, yeah. weekends away and you know just takes people away on the Thursday evening and then they come back, sorry, Thursday morning, they come back on the Friday morning. But you can have a plethora of different self-care packages. Exactly, and we're all, the point is we're all different. So like you were saying about flexible working, I have got a young child, so I would maybe need different flexible working options to you guys if yeah, we work together. But also, you know, you go out, uh, so one of the things this, the tool shows you actually is when you have a few drinks your score goes up because <laughs> you start getting relaxed right oh, yeah. so it's like it, when you have Pina Colada hour yeah it's On like woo! exactly <laughs> yeah someone has made a 10 from tequila shots so you, it goes up because you you're relaxing obviously you're moving into this like nice relaxed state however ah uh, yeah there's always a however sadly <laughs> you go down to a one the next day well right but then what we tend to do is so obviously you know alcohol goes into your system you start then it's inflammation your body starts flooding it trying to deal with what we're doing to ourselves and all the rest of it. Health, it? exactly or yeah. the gut health stuff your sleep's interrupted because the sugar's being metabolized overnight so your heart rate's through the roof you're not getting the quality of sleep you would especially if you've done the older one espresso martini at midnight it's one of my favorite tricks so you've got the <laughs> caffeine going as well you know if you're gonna go big go big and ruin it all um so you do that kind of thing so everything if you like is disrupted but what we tend to think is oh my god i had a big night last night i'm gonna drink green juice go for a run or go and do crossfit or something i need to like basically pay penance for it yeah. yeah and it's the worst thing you could do Really? Yeah, because you, your, your score will be low, even right? Even more knackered, right? Yeah, and oh you. My I mean, God, I always do that. But you, Junior, you this may have, you may be able to talk to this. So we do quite a lot of work with um, guys that played rugby. So we do a lot of work with uh, so Lee Mears working with us, and he played for um, the Lions for years. Played for Bath for sixteen years. Really awesome dude. And he talks about how if they go out for beers on Saturday night, rugby boys, mm. of course they did. That's you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd go out on the Saturday. There was no improvement in them going to training until Wednesday. There was wow. at basically no point, sort of, they weren't going to be able to make any improvements on their fitness or anything like that yeah. until Jesus. the Wednesday if they've had well, a big we, night out yeah, on so Saturday. We, when we had a game Saturday night, we'd go out Saturday night uh, after the game. Sunday, we'd go in just for recovery. Yeah. And our manager would definitely know, like, the boys had been out. And then you'd have the whole of Sunday off. Monday would be 
40 like minutes or minimal yeah. and then Tuesday you go back in right. and that's literally on, so it's, it's interesting actually wow. so that's why because there's a, but yet for us we've had a big night out and then we're pushing again or you know if you've got people that are doing a lot of travel for work you get on a flight you do a night flight to Singapore or Hong Kong you have meetings meeting meetings dinner meeting 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 dinner another night flight back oh it's Friday here's your kids have your family 9am back in the office on Monday yeah. and you do that week in week out sometimes so this is, again, this data, as you say, it's giving you responsibility to go, oh, I'm low today. This is a yoga day. And actually, I'm just going to chill. And then tomorrow when my score's back up, then I'm going to push it so hard. That's amazing because I'm guessing, like you said, like with the business guys that do that travel and they go back to their families, mm. when it all comes on top of them, they start, they'll probably then start to neglect their, you know, their families course, and see yeah. them as a burden. Like, oh, don't you understand? I'm stressed. I've just traveled back. Yeah, thing. that's what happens. It's the things that we love the most that, you know, take the, bear the brunt of it. Yeah, I think. exactly. Well, I think that's an amazing business I love idea. That. Fantastic. Thanks. Good luck with it. launch in March, right? Yeah, we're going to have a it's big launch in March. So Kinsey... Are we going to go to the launch party? Yeah, you can come to the launch party. We're doing yes. a video. That was reticent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. There'll, yeah. Be a nice, uh, there'll be a nice launch party. It's going to be amazing. We've already got some big... Uh, I can't talk about who. We've got an amazing client on at the moment. We've had some fantastic results. We know that we've stopped uh, six heart attacks and one suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah, amazing. and we know that we've reduced... The uh, presenteeism score from 38% to 11%, and that saved £30 million across the UK business. Wow, how was presenteeism? I was, was going to say, just quickly, because I think with the, the sale to businesses is that there's so many people getting signed off for stress, mm. so they must pay so much money for staff that aren't actually able to be there. Yeah. But Because I think that we have like a health and safety officer that only looks after like if it bleeds... You know, we can have, like get a, a cut. <laughs> but there's no one yeah. psychological in these companies that's able to be there. Like, if you suffer with mental health in a, in a, a company, it's like, do I speak to HR? Do I very speak low to my boss? Like, yes. I don't know who to talk to right now. Yeah. Yeah. Really good intermediary. Do you have um, like a, I've always thought a company would benefit from having. I'm sure everyone's seen billions, right? Yeah. But that resident mental health person. Mental that, health she is my. I, she is my role model. I want I mean, to be Wendy Rose. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. mainly because I want to earn five million pounds, like just yeah. randomly yeah. in a bonus. <laughs> purpose stuff yeah. that's what <laughs> <laughs> um, but no that, I think that would be a really really helpful thing for, for businesses yeah I agree um, it's, a, it's a confidential safe space to sort of check in basically about yeah. where you are now and I think that it's so much about forward 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 push 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 harder 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 you know and that's where we end up in this you know the hamster wheel and we don't take enough time to get off and check in and look at where we really are yeah. and this application forces you to do that every day you know exactly where you are and then you make the best choices to make you as productive as possible I mean this is about productivity mm. and performance but this is enabling you and again as a grown up and as an adult to be empowered by the data and information to take responsibility for where you're at nice. yeah. spiritual and scientific sort of resolution definitely. Here as well, which I think is brilliant definitely speaking of spiritual and Lee um, you are the only person so far to set us homework as a, as a podcast trio and I thought this would naturally guide us on to the yeah, homework nice. that you set us um, Jigsaw was a thing that we had sent in, in response to our prep email that, um, that we sent you Firstly, we were like, what the fuck is this? What, what is this homework? Well, Why I, have we got a homework? I actually watched the whole of episode one until Ian said, <laughs> <laughs> until Ian goes, mate, it's meant to be called, it's Jigsaw. He, and I was like, oh. he was cramming this morning, like last minute cramming. He sent a picture and I was like, I'm sure he didn't wear that t-shirt. In yeah, the one you've that watched, I watched the wrong one. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, Junior, that's, but I did watch the, second that's one. the wrong one. Okay, and you watched watch the full episode. Because by the way, listeners, if you are, we, we implore, firstly, thank you, by the way, for making us do this. Yeah, we like homework. It was, hey, hey I, I like homework, I haven't had it for a while. I never used to do it. But, um, <laughs> B, it was it was fucking amazing. Like the, the second half of Jigsaw episode two from the comedian Daniel Sloss. Daniel Sloss mm. yeah, on, Netflix. Was, was, I, I on Netflix. Netflix. When you get over him talking about tripping up children. Yeah, yeah. I, I did say to you, I did give it. A, I mean, the first thirty minutes, he is a stand-up, and I think most of them do the whole thing yeah, where it's just yeah. meant to shock you and sort of talk about awful things. And you go, oh, this is awkward. But then mm. when he starts getting into Jigsaw, it's it's, incredible. it's amazing. And I, I'm I'm not gonna do well. Can I try and... I want, think you guys should. It just should. made so much sense. Okay, so much yeah, sense. As, as proof, as proof that we listen, I'm yeah. going to try and do it. That was, a, that was a test, wasn't it? It's like, no, 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 you fucking do it, Ollie. <laughs> okay, right. So this guy has a theory on relationships and it came from his dad. I think it kind of came from his dad by an accident in a way. Tick, one tick. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he describes our lives, and not just in relationships, but our lives in general, is like a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. So with the jigsaw, you have four different corners you have your friends. Tick. You have okay. <laughs> you, have, you have your your work, 
I believe. Yeah, jobs. Jobs, okay. Yeah, um, you have your hobbies and interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last one isn't relationships. The last no, one la is family, la familia, right? La familia. So you have these four corners of a jigsaw. He describes everyone's life as a jigsaw, right? So the middle pit, the middle patch, everyone believes, and this is what his dad told him, middle patch is your, your relationship, right? And you just got to find your middle missing piece of the jigsaw. Glues it all together. Which, and right, okay, and that's going to glue it all together and mm. it's going to be amazing. But the discovery, and here's where the twist in the tale is, um, this, this wonderful comedian then goes on to say, it's not like that. And actually, it's like a jigsaw. You have the jigsaw in four corners, but everybody's got their own jigsaw and nobody has the front of the box. So yeah. you've got no idea what your jigsaw is meant to look like. Right. So this is where it gets really interesting. And I'm, I'm going to let you take over here, Annalie, because I'm going to fuck it up. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> it's it's hard to explain. And that's why he's such a genius and so successful. But as you say, it's about, you know, you've got your own jigsaw and just nobody gave you this bloody box with a picture on. So you don't know what it's meant to look like. And what we what he says we do is we never learnt how to love ourselves. So we got somebody else to do it for us. Wow. And that was based on, yeah, what his father had taught him. And yeah. I think that's why we see a, a rise of, like divorces this day and yeah. age and I've, I come from a divorced family and a lot of my, our friends are like have divorced parents because I think back in that day like when his dad's day it was like you need a partner to put mm. yeah. social narrative together. social yeah. narrative tells us that we must have a partner to be happy you know and he talks about it everything you do is you know always with a couple like the holiday adverts there's always two of them yeah, or you know never on your own you know, like, Cinderella looking for yeah a prince and yeah. it's the social narrative that tells us that you know we're aspiring we're reaching for those goals and something you know like mm. the good job I'm using inverted comment you know we must have the good job and the, the partnership because you can't be happy unless yeah. and he talks about how he's never going to change in a relationship Daniel Sloss said I will never ever change in a relationship because you you know you have these people that select this missing piece of their jigsaw who's going to love them because they never learned how to love themselves and they spend their whole life like trying to bang it in to make it fit yeah. and it doesn't fit so what we do is we go oh well if you're just less like that or do that more or I hate it when you do that because yeah. you're trying to make it fit mm-hmm. and the, the fact is it never will unless you love yourself but first. on do you think there is so, because I feel like he was very extreme, but he might be right. Was he was quite extreme, and I feel like he might have just come on the back of a relationship, and he felt like he was broke free. Do you think in relationships there there is, you know, do you have to change a little bit, or do you think that you shouldn't change at all? I 100%. think like he's saying you shouldn't change anything. Warts and all that's me. Do you think there is? A middle ground there. I think there's obviously bits that you're maybe happy to give up. You know, if somebody you're vegan, aren't you, genius? So you know, maybe you're other <laughs> half. Like, okay, you're like part time. You yeah. see, <laughs> you know, maybe. Got 80, 20. 80, 20. <laughs> okay, well, quite mm. question for you: 80, 20, yeah. Would you be happy cooking a meal 100%. that wasn't vegan? Okay, yeah, right. So, so it's, yeah, my ex-girlfriend used to eat meat all the time, and right. I was fine with it. So you know, there yeah. are some things that maybe mm. are not part of you, but it's not a big thing to give up. Mm. But I think quite often. And the, the sort of the premise of what he's talking about here is that we're, we, we have not, the crux of it is we didn't learn how to love ourselves. So we got someone else to try and do it for yeah. us. And he talks about how if you only love yourself 10% and somebody else loves you 20%. It's only 30%, isn't it? Right, yeah. It's then you're really grateful yeah. for yeah. that extra bit. Yeah. You're like, wow, that's oh, amazing. I've you, always said, I can't remember who said this to me, but someone always said to me, Whenever you fall in love, you want to fall in love when your cup is full. Absolutely. Been down, yeah. Because then it's going to go. Yeah, it overflows, over, right? But right. Then when they go, it's kind of the same as it was. Yeah, yeah, and then you're not compromising. I think I think it's a really good point, Ian, you make. I think you compromise more if perhaps you feel that your your offer isn't as high. So if you feel amazing, True. if your cup is completely full, if you're like, do you know what? In the nicest possible way, I could take this or leave this. Yeah. And I'm only going to stay with this relationship if it enhances my already kick-ass, amazing love, existence. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then fantastic. But if not, I'm not going to hang around for this. Yeah. So. Oh, speaking of not hanging around, I, I remember I took a note of it. He said, time doesn't equal success. So you're at this point in, in your life, right, where you say, do I, okay, you have two options. One, do I admit that the last five years have been a waste yeah, of time, yeah. which is awful, by the way, because yep. that's the whole thing about progression. Fuck, I'm, I've not been moving forward, yep. which isn't yeah. true. Or two, do I stay with this person for the rest of my Do life? Know, uh, I really want to go into something. Yeah. I can't. Fuck. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Only because I know a friend that's going through that same exact fucking thing. Yeah. Did you like, send it to them? Huh? Have you sent it to no, them? No, I haven't, but I, I might. <laughs> but that's but what he, he says, isn't it? He's like, I know half of these relationships are bullshit. Right yeah. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I've, have you've had that experience. I've had that re- experience. It's like, you inv- you've almost, you start sacrificing your friendship. You spend a lot of your time with this girl. You really, really want to work. You're defending her all the time to your friends and your family. But you know that 
I just need to nip it in a bud, but yeah. then I hope it will get better. It just, it's like an, it is that realization. I think even if moment. you did, if, even if you did let go of, we spoke about it in, in the previous podcast, I think regret, people, you shouldn't live with regret. Mm. So even if you do sort of end an eight year relationship, like don't live in regret, see it as a lesson, embrace from it and learn from, you know, and be a better person in the next relationship or what, mm. or be a better person in the relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Know? Yeah. What was, what was good about it? You were there for eight years. It yeah, must've exactly. been some good stuff, right? It yeah. kind of all been rubbish. So what really worked? Take that forward. What didn't? Who are you now? What do you want moving forwards? I mean, I think, and mm. I exactly say, Junior, everything should be a learning opportunity. Mm. So what do I learn about myself? What do I learn about me and relationships? But fundamentally, what are my needs? Mm. How many of those can be met? And this is about your cup being as full as possible. Mm. So what are my needs? What are my values? You know, how many of those can be met just by being me from my friendships, whatever? And then what are the parts that I do need to be met in a relationship? And does can that person provide them? Yeah. On the relationship thing, when you and I had a conversation, it sounds like I called you out with the crisis and been like, help me, I've got no girlfriend, the kids won't talk to me. Uh, no, I'm sitting in Coral. No, I, I, I was, what was that name of that girlfriend put about? No. So I, I was wondering, you, you have this really good theory about having a bank balance. Yeah, bank or, account. Okay. Goodwill bank account. Goodwill bank account. This I thought was fucking genius. So this works in all relationships. So like family, but business as well, you know, but it definitely in romantic relationships. So when you, especially when you first start dating, everything's great. And it's quite easy. And the goodwill bank account in the relationship gets topped up because you're doing dates and maybe there's presents mm. and, you know, all the nice stuff. And we go and we push the boat out. And we go, oh, we're going away for a weekend. And all of this stuff gets deposited in the goodwill bank account but then maybe as time goes on or we find a rocky patch we're taking stuff out of that goodwill bank account we've had some bad news or um, you're working away more or you've been a bit stressed with a project or something and that's taking deposits from that now as long as you you keep putting stuff in so you're making time for one another or you're paying giving appreciation or compliments or whatever it is as long as you're making deposits it's okay it doesn't hurt too much but when a relationship is in crisis that bank account is just taking withdrawals yeah. and it's going down and down and down until there's nothing in there and then every goddamn fucking last thing you take out of it hurts mm. so every comment that previously you know well, you took me out last night so you might be being a bit of a shit today but i don't care because it's a nice time mm. every little thing that cup you've left out yes. the chair you know the coat on the chair that i told you not to leave that you know every <laughs> single thing sounds like ali <laughs> pick your fucking <laughs> towel up yeah exactly exactly right yeah. so every little thing all of a sudden great and then it starts feeling like disrespect mm. or it starts you know sort of like basically uh yeah in, firing up our values in the wrong way because we haven't got that buffer there. So wow. it's critical to keep making deposits in that goodwill bank account mm. so that you can have a withdrawal because stuff happens in life. Things will happen. You know, a family member may get ill. We may have a stressful time at work. Um, having a child is a wonderful experience, but yeah. my God, is it stressful? Yeah. You know, and you need to have enough in there and keep keep topping it up like a really good savings account so you can handle the withdrawals. You see, as a male, I don't think I've ever noticed that analogy. But do you think male and females have different perceptions of that? Because I feel like a female may be more likely to notice those little things that add up to, like like you said, okay, you took me for dinner last night, I'll let him be a dick, whatever, today. I yeah. just never really thought, like, things over a period of time, it was always quite, you know, I'm trying to be nice to you, what's wrong? I have not thought about, like, the previous... No. Well, you, or comments yeah I mean you, yeah you just said I'm trying to be nice to you what's wrong so maybe you do because perhaps you're trying to put stuff in mm. and there wasn't the it, maybe it, noticed, maybe it wasn't like, put in like it all stacks up in that sort of analogy it's yeah. basically effort you've got to, you know you've got to make the deposits you've got to put the time in you mm. whatever it is it doesn't have to be a you know an expense just it's time or just attention or a genuine conversation or whatever it may be that you know is just putting something in there so that you can handle the difficult times wow i love that th i do really like that theory yeah. i think that um then again though if you look at it sometimes if it's such an effort to put that that oh, money yeah. or the thing in the in the bank account i yeah, guess you know that it's or if it's only one of you if there's only yeah. one of you going to the bank yeah, all the time but again yeah, there's one taking it exactly. out that's yeah. a bit unequal right it's got to be both of Close you doing account, it i'm taking the card away yeah, yeah. Exactly. but you you mean you guys are all running your own businesses as well if you look at that in leadership you need to have really good bank accounts for the people working for you because stuff will happen. Mm. You're going to have to ask them to pull late nights. You're going to ask them to give more than they would normally at certain sure. times. And if you've looked after them well enough, you know, of course will. yeah, paid yeah. them well, you've taken them out, you've yeah. given them your time. That's the thing that's most important. And, you know, nurtured them and helped them grow and looked after their career. 
they can take it and probably quite gladly, you know, yeah. we'll pull that all nighter for you because you're an amazing boss and you no. look after me and my bank account is topped up. But you're not going to ask it of me all the time yeah. and then you're going to look after me in between. I also think it's important to be wary of how much time you can give as a leader, as a boyfriend or whatever you are mm-hmm. to a person. Because I think some people fall down the trap of trying to give all of that to everyone. Oh, yeah. One of my biggest left. faults in my last relationship, uh, not even just like with, with my ex-girlfriend but also with everyone around, my friends, family, you know, work colleagues and girlfriend were all as equally as important as each other. Yeah, I would spend more time with the other one. Like completely, and I would try and combine the two. Well, that was the worst, by the way. <laughs> try and combine the two. If you try and combine the two, fuck me. What do you mean? Spend more time? We went out last night to the pub. You were there. I was there. I didn't really see you, but we were there yeah, in the same vicinity. We're physically there. Yeah, which isn't the same thing. So I think you have to be very aware. And that's the same with employees. I wouldn't choose to have fifteen thousand direct reports. Yeah, I could still be a CEO of a business. Mm-hmm. The reason you, I mean, great if you were Jesus, you could do that, right? But why am I referencing God? <laughs> but but the thing is, I think you have to decide on who is important to you and who you're willing to spend that time and invest that time right. you there's a lovely um, sort of theory that I like and it's about your fuck bucks so you've got so many fuck bucks a day let's say five choose what you're going to give a fuck about mm. so am I I mean this is about saying no so this is all about you know we're people pleasers we want yeah. to give I want to give my energy to you my partner to my job to my employees to my you know my kid to this to that to all the things we're that are important to, say to me no, aren't we? right but I've only got so many fuck bucks so mm. I can't give a fuck about everything yeah. so I need to choose what I'm going to give a fuck about today mm, I love spend that. them wisely because as you rise it's, if you're giving it out to everybody else then what have you got mm. and there's a really important definition that I want to make and I think you know people think of self care as being selfish and it's not. Being selfish is acting uh, in your own self-interest at the expense of other people. Mm. When you're involved in self-care and looking after yourself, it's so that you're giving yourself the resources or the energy so that you can take care of other people. It's a really, really important distinction to make. So you have to, the whole, you know, feel you can't fill from an empty cup, but it's true. I am the best mother when I am not with my child all the time. Mm. I need to work. I need to exercise. I need to do other things. I need mm. to have different interactions. And then when I have time with her, that is when I'm at my best and she gets the best of me. And that's okay. Mm. And that's quite a hard, unpopular thing to say, maybe, that it was never my dream to be, you know, sort of Susie Homemaker, full-time mother. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's true in my life, and that's okay. So I'm going to choose. And for me to do that and have time with my kid, mm. I need to say no to something else. So that's one of my fuck bucks. Okay. So like you gave a fuck, fuck about us today. I do. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> today we do, I do. We, give you we got one bucks. of your three fuck bucks. <laughs> 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 and suddenly the podcast changed very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I was going to relate that back as well because you speak about um, almost like society has guided that person that you should be. You know, you should be the Social overworked narrative. CEO. Yeah. You should be the, the big fat banker swirling a glass of wine, not seeing your family. <laughs> you should be the mother that's neglecting her parents because she's too busy at work and becoming a female CEO, which mm. apparently that's what you want to be when you're a female leader. The, the, the character that's being carved out, the toxic characters that are being carved out by our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the really important thing about this podcast as well is, is bringing that stuff to light. And it's saying, you, you don't have to be somebody else's narrative. You don't have to be right. Cinderella's prince or whatever else. It's just having awareness of you much more. So what, yeah, one of my, again, one of my favorite things to try and talk about in, if I was talking in coaching, sort of speak with somebody, is there's a big difference between what you feel you should do and what you want to do and social narrative is should i should call my mother i should want to do this i should want to be at home more i should want to blah 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 blah. but you know what i want to work and i want to do this you know this gym session and i want to do uh, you know the work that kinsey's doing because that is my purpose i want to change the way the world works and that makes me a purpose-led individual and it makes me resilient and happy and people get the best of me Mm. but there's all these shoulds and i think should should be a swear word i think we have a great big pile of shoulds that's just there in like in the room all the time and that's inner critic territory and that social narrative. So I would encourage anybody to check in, really check in and be, is this something I think I should do or is this something I really want to do? Wow, I, I think like people, society, like in this day and age, there's so many people that I know really do forget just to love themselves mm. because you can't evidently find love if you're looking for love if right. you don't even love yourself first. And that can be from anything, like you said, like taking yourself for a walk in the morning, going to the gym, eating the right foods, looking after yourself because mm. you're going to feel so much better mm. by doing that first in your workspace in your um, relationships with your families in your relationships with even your pets and stuff you know mm-hmm. anything but you, it's just going to be all in all 
yeah, but like it's that. quite a Karine, you talked about Brene Brown and it's a I think it's a great TED talk and everyone should watch it but it's a really it's a courageous act to sort of say this is what I'm doing yeah, it is, yeah. you know because if especially if it's unpopular as in it goes against the social narrative of the shoulds and it, what it does is it throws up for a lot of people it's it's a mirror up to them and maybe they're not living their life that way and they find it uncomfortable mm. that you're kind of progressing and some people aren't always going to be a cheerleader for you around so that. So you've got to become a don't they? So rather than saying, like, I am a X, because it's really easy to sort of distinguish what you are, because I guess if you just say, if you were to say, like, I am a librarian or I yeah. am a scientist, I like the word um, I want to become or I will become is a much more powerful statement because, or even I am the, I am the type of person that. Because mm. if, you're, if you're aligning it to the the sort of behaviors that, that embody that thing that you say you are i think is a lot more powerful and also just gratitude and thank you you know yeah. start the morning with thank you for you know i'm so thankful for having a body that can go and do this yeah. exercise class. i'm so thankful that i've got this opportunity to work i'm so thankful i have such a fantastic relationship with my child i'm mm. thankful to have this chance to talk to you guys today you know i'm thankful we're very thankful <laughs> yeah. in very fact speaking of thankful what um i was gonna ask you a direct question here. okay three single lads can't hold up a relationship um, what would you say if you were given a, a chance to speak to three single guys <laughs> that try quite a few times to have a relationship? Three things. I've had, I've had two successful Going ones. into, I know you're not brilliant, mate. We're, we're envious to the, to the high heaven. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, what, what would you say going into a relationship, the three things um, that you should bear in mind? Starting a new relationship, I'm fucking in love with this person. What do I do and don't do? Okay, well, I mean, definitely one for me is just show up and be who you are from the start mm -hmm. because you that's, that is difficult to A, undo later on and potentially let somebody down, you know, and you're not starting on the right footing. You know, really be who you are from the outset. I like, used to wear Ali's clothes on my first dates. Really? But then that goes back to self-love, yeah. right? So if you're scared to even show to yeah. be yourself, yeah. that goes back to self-love. So then maybe you're not ready to actually go dating. Yeah? You're yeah. not ready to... That's true. You know, or you just take a step back. Yeah, you thought you were going to be judged for wearing yeah. your own clothes. And you and you like, yeah, I can cover this date, blah, blah. But then like, I do understand really, really because like, we're in a society where people do judge because of what they see on Instagram and what they see on social media, they have that perception in their head of... But I think you. everyone knows that. And if you have a connection to somebody, you yeah. have a connection to somebody. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so be cool. yourself. Number one, we like number one. Yeah, yeah. so I yeah, think I like be that. yourself from the, from the outset. Right. And it may be courageous. And we're all nervous. You know, everyone's nervous. So just be your true self. Oh, okay, wait, on, on this one real quick. Right, sorry. Okay, you go, you I go. was going to start seeing a girl that was, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Sober. Fuck, I can't even say it. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. You've never been sober. Um, it's something I've never been sober. Um, but okay, so I was gonna go on a date, and this is such a fucking funny. Okay, I was going on a date, and I got drunk the night before, and I didn't turn up to the date with a sober girl. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck, I feel so stupid. I've, I've, I've missed out on this date with this girl. She was really cool, and but she doesn't drink any alcohol. And I was going through this battle in my head, being like, do I even bother going on this date, right? Because can I hold a relationship with someone that doesn't drink alcohol? Is it bad that I just didn't end up doing that in the end and just didn't pursue that relationship idea because I thought, oh, I but mean, she it, might judge you. You, well, no, 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 you no, wouldn't no. be able to be your true self around someone. Would like I that. not be okay? Yeah, because that is a bad thing that I've not gone. Well, over. I mean, there's a couple of things ringing through my head right now. What part of me is thinking that you were afraid of whether you could be entertain her and she's sober, or you know, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quite good with that. Yeah, yeah okay, and yeah. then part of me is thinking that you know you. Oh, yeah, perhaps you'd got yourself into that situation. It really wasn't something that, you, you know, there were other attributes about her that you really liked, but maybe looking forward. But something you're talking about is you'd fast track that relationship. Yeah, you're going on true. one date, that's right? That's so true. You'd, yeah. you'd somehow gone from, I'm not even going to bother going on the first date Kids. where I potentially might really like her to, to it's not going to work at so-and-so's yeah. wedding next summer because you're, <laughs> not, you're not going to be doing like, yeah. oops upside your head with me on the floor. So forget <laughs> it. You know? it's, it's quite intimidating though for a first date to not have any alcohol involved because... It's a bit of an icebreaker, isn't it? Because like, yeah. people, as you said, it's stressful for both people. So you do ease up naturally if you've had a drink. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say going back to obviously point number one is mm. I watched first dates. I don't know if any of you saw it, but I've seen it. There was a guy who dressed up as uh, as a woman, uh, oh, okay. wow. and I was like watching again. Oh, okay, he's obviously gonna you know go for a man, but he was gonna date with another woman, and it was like I was like wow. So he was literally went as like because that's what he feels comfortable. He self. feels comfortable yeah. as dressing as a as a woman in yeah, night yeah. and day, and he went as a true self, and they actually. Fell in love. Oh. I think it, it's better that way because my mum actually dated someone that at one point just got it out like his his women clothing. She's like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> like this is just like a months months of relationship months of, and even yeah. hiding yeah. it and then oh, it comes out yeah, it's yeah. so weird like yeah. and that's not, sad for both sides that he felt he couldn't be his true yeah, self yeah. and then also for your mother she got to know somebody and that wasn't really who they were presenting yeah. a sort of false face to the world yeah. so yeah, yeah it's, that's that again that is, is again you know kicking Tip. off from being your you know your true authentic self Ollie likes to, to dress up. I was, uh, when I was 12 years old, I was the ugly sister in Cinderella. Um, and ever since then, it's really sparked something within me. And mainly <laughs> Louboutins, if I'm honest. Oh, lovely. Um, that is a lie, by the way. Number right. two. Number are we two, yeah, tip, tip number two. Okay, so that would be sort of being your true self. I think actually, Ollie, it's a really good point. You know, we think we have a, a tendency as human beings to fast track something yeah, rather than true. being, you know, let's talk about being present. Yeah. So we don't know that person. We don't know how it might end up and how it might go. But human nature is to try and create a narrative or decide things and again this is the should and the wants yeah. so really check in about do I feel that this person is you know who I want to spend time with or am I doing it because she's fit on Instagram my mates will like her you know mm. something like oh, that good <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's part of being who you're showing up as your true self you know yeah. do am I maybe there's somebody that perhaps isn't your type right so mm. you know previous type or whatever but perhaps they're really suited to who you are now and will be best supporting you in the future yeah. and we do get concerned about what other people think and when we just say other people like who are we thinking about yeah. who they. are these other people and what we're does so it matter before, like who is they who yeah are they? yeah it's usually too, a room yeah. of all of like your enemies and exes and yeah. like you know you imagine yeah. them all being there together at the same time the funny thing is so whenever someone goes through a breakup i'm probably speaking for all of us here is you go to the gym or whatever because you're like I'm going to get myself so <laughs> fit and good looking so my ex looks at me with my new girlfriend <laughs> and she then, you know, thinks, oh, yeah, my new girlfriend is going to be like, oh my God, he's so damn muscular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> such a weird thing. Like, Forget all the, the bank so deposits that he was yeah. drawing the whole fucking time. <laughs> yeah. He's hot. Yeah. You do, as a man, that's like the first, first thing you do, When we've right? had mates that have broken up, it's like, right, get yourself to the gym. Yeah. Get, like, love. Yeah, but what the, you're trying to say is like, love yourself again. And, exactly. Because I think in relationships you can sometimes slip away and just stop going to the gym stop seeing your mates mm. yeah and that's what we said about the jigsaw stop doing those things which made you you in the first yeah, place exactly. yeah and the last one i would say is pretty sort of i'm gonna go do a double header we're gonna link it to that so it's about your values understanding what your values are so a big value of mine for example is freedom i need the sense of being able to make choices and do things that i want to do now that maybe doesn't sound like it would sit well in a marriage and having a kid mm. but that's just something that i've needed to have i've needed to be able to be independent make my own choices develop business things like that that's what makes me feel alive mm. now I know that about myself so I'm able to then look into relationships and find those elements that sit and fit with me so it's really knowing your values yourself mm. and then do they fit with or conflict with somebody else you know it wouldn't do me well to have someone that needed a lot of attention I couldn't deal with that yeah. I haven't been able to deal with that in the past it doesn't suit me I, I'm not someone that can like pander and go and text five million times a day oh, and God, it doesn't work for me but for other people that is something that they need so you know be really honest again about that but then also just you know you have to be your best self as in feel it your best self and if there's any part of you and be honest about this that you think is a sticking plaster and somebody else can deal with it for me like in a jigsaw well they mm. could love that part of me mm. because it's too hard for me to do the work to love that bit of myself mm. or go through it it's, does that then come down right. to like communication because i know a lot of couples out there are afraid to communicate although they think they are communicating yeah. they actually don't communicate enough i know i had that problem in regards to um not telling each other how you feel because you, you feel like you say you're, you're scared to be vulnerable or you, you sort of you think she's going to judge you because you're you, you're angry but mm. actually sitting down and going you know what that actually pissed me off there I that think you I bit. think yeah having like again conflict styles is really important so you mm. might have two different conflict styles so I'm like get it straight out say what I think and then it's done and it's gone yeah but if I had a partner that say really needed to sort of take some time and be with it and you know maybe have a little bit of a sulk or whatever I do yeah. the walk away yeah do the walk away <laughs> you know. but actually it's bizarre it's, I mean John Gottman who's a very celebrated uh, relationships expert and psychologist he says he can tell how couples will last by how they argue you're always going to have something that comes up but it's about how constructively you can disagree and respect one another I don't have to agree with you it's absolutely fine with different people yeah, but I need to respect what you're saying and yeah. you need to respect what I'm saying and either we have a resolution or we you know we just agree to disagree that's what are some sorry? Go on, no, sorry? I was gonna say, what are some key mistakes that you've noticed uh, from both males and females when interacting with each other in relationships? So, from the people you've coached in relationships, you haven't got to name them. 
Okay, well, uh, <laughs> one of my best friends, I'm laughing about this now. So in a, in a previous relationship, she had told him she really loved outdoor pursuits and was going to like go up and do the Three Peaks Challenge. I mean, this- Oh, I thought you were I, dogging, sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think she would have preferred that, right? <laughs> and she's then getting like roped into the, literally, you know, and buying all this outdoor kit. Oh, she's wow. not an outdoorsy girl. So, wow. you know, you talk about okay. it. We oh. all do it. And you yeah. suddenly got yourself into the situation where- yeah. How the fuck are you going to get out of that? You like just Bridget Jones, right? Sort of honestly, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it really is coming back down to just being authentic and just owning up to who you mm-hmm. are. And you know what? If he wants to go and do the three peaks and mm. you want to sit at home and drink rosé, that's okay. Find something else that you enjoy doing together. I like the rosé, but we can maybe you know connect yeah. us. You know, okay, well that's fine. Any, yeah, anyone. She is available. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> it's now really awkward. What's your, <laughs> what's your opinion? So me and Ollie, we listen to a lot of uh, Aubrey Marcus podcasts. Okay, and he has an open relationship with his wife. Oh, I don't think they're married. Uh, yeah, they are. They're fiance. They're married. I so, think. what's your um, obviously opinion on like open relationships and people like me? Because I think as a society, when you're with a girlfriend, our ego sort of tells you that she belongs to me. Yeah. you belong mm. to him. You cannot speak to that person because you're mine, kind of thing. But I think if you do that, you're sort of because you might have a soul connection with someone else. Yeah. Like, as humans, we're social beings, right? So we're meant to communicate. We're meant to be social. We're meant to meet a lot of pe- a lot of people. But people in relationships, I find, are quite. So there's a great book I would highly recommend. It's a guy called Paul Dolan. He actually does brilliant TED Talks. So a British guy. Very, he's a professor, but he's very cool and outspoken and swears a lot, so I like him. Yeah. Um, and he's written a book called Happiness by Design and, uh, and uh, Happily Ever After. And it's basically challenging that social narrative. So yeah, what, what if there are two people or more than that, that want to be in a polyamorous relationship? Exactly, yeah. That's okay, but we subscribe to the social narrative which makes us then judge and who impressed this social narrative upon us and again I think that's all to do with checking in and and understanding and being okay with who you are and Mm. people that disagree don't respect it don't want it we are not going to be in that relationship with them anyway so again understand who you are and what you want to be said I think there's an underlying theme here whilst we wrap up to to a close is the a the communication and b that the manager the management of expectations at the beginning of any situation of your own of the relationship with the other person as well and that could be whether you're polyamorous or or a Mormon or just an influencer wanker. What I wanted to say was thank you so much. Oh, this so I welcome. think we need to continue this one day. We, yeah, and Lee, we might have to invite you back. Love you've it. Been I'd love it. Such an amazing person. I was going to do questions live, actually. I was actually going to do questions live. We, questions live, we've we got Maz on the door. We've well, unfortunately, yeah, we have Sorry, guys. I was going to do questions live. Um, <laughs> but no, Anneli, for the, for the listeners as well, not just the Pooch's followers on Instagram, thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. We may have a few questions that will come from our listeners because I think a lot of people wanted this one to happen as well. Sure. Um, so if you want to follow Annalee on social media or connect with Kinsey itself, Kinsey's website is... Uh, KinseyGlobal.com, K-I-N-Z-I-E, KinseyGlobal.com. And then have you got anything that... We've you, got an Instagram, it's at Kinsey Global as well, but uh, yeah, so there's beautiful. nothing on it. We do have a dog dare question, which you forgot, which we always ask all our guests at the end. Okay, very, real very quick. Very very uh, very okay, very hello, we're back again. <laughs> <laughs> you have a room full of 21-year-old men or women, um, and you have a microphone, what do you say? It, in relate to anything, what, anything, anything at all. Life advice. advice. Sex, waking up, falling asleep, not falling asleep. Oh, God. Yeah, have loads of sex now. You're 21. Just Fine, have a great time. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I like that. The last time we had was eat more veg. So there we oh, go, no. guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, Annalie, thank you so much. It's been a joy hosting you. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week.